Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Modern Web Podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Wardell. I am a software engineer at This.Labs. Today, I'm extremely excited to be talking with Michael Chan. Welcome, Michael. Hey, I'm happy to be here. And it's nice to officially meet you in person, not just uh, not just on Twitter. Yeah. Closest we get to in person these days, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know, it's kind of funny how much it's starting to feel almost like in person, you know, when you're like, it, it has enough texture, I think that you know when uh, the rest of your life you're just inside or walking around your neighborhood it's uh it it, it gets it gets the job done for sure <laughs> it does uh small anecdote from my side i grew up very much in like skype and just chatting with friends online so okay yeah for for me this feels very natural like this is how i meet people this is how i talk so i'm, I'm glad the rest of the world caught up <laughs> yeah <laughs> caught up yeah it's true you know it's it, it's funny i I have, I think through the last couple of years, been able, like been surprised a couple of times when I realized that I've not actually met an online friend in person. And that was an interesting, it, it, like an interesting moment for me. And I was like, oh, I fully, like I had whatever that, that relationship thing is that you have with someone, you know, your, your real life friends, like I have that with people now. And even like to the point that I don't realize that we don't actually have we haven't seen each other with our own eyes and mm -hmm. and whatnot so it's it's kind of fun to get there <laughs> and one of the nice things about the space we're in eventually probably we'll all be going to conferences again yes and we can actually finally meet in person yes so. that will be a good moment awkward it will be but good <laughs> like oh wait uh, eye contact. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. I, uh, okay, look, look, listen. <laughs> yep. Well, cool. Uh, Michael, for those who uh, aren't familiar with you, would you mind introducing yourself briefly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my name is Michael Chan. Uh, I go by Chantastic most places uh, along about the internet. Um, and then I always tell people, you can call me Michael Chan, Michael Chan, whatever rolls off the tongue. Um, I, I hear all of them. Um, but then I, I never, you know, I learned early on to not hear Mike hilariously. Like my mom hated Mike. And so she would always like correct all of my friends. Like named Michael, not Mike. <laughs> so that's the only one I, uh, I, I, I don't hear. My reticular activator doesn't uh, spring up for that one. Um, sorry, I went on a whole thing about oh, no. uh, what to call me. Um, yeah, so I um, am probably best known for uh, a couple of, um, you know, React projects. So uh, I made a long time ago a, a little microsite called um, React Patterns and then um, another one called React Cheat Sheet. Both are desperately in need of an update. Um, and um, after that, I went on to host a React Podcast for about two, a little over two years um, and like 123 episodes, I think is what we ended up on. Um, and yeah, it's really great. I took that over from Michael Jackson pretty early on. And so like 118 of those I think I produced. And uh, it was a really wild journey, which I'm sure that we'll talk talk more about. Um, and then more recently, I've been working, I've been trying to develop and foster a community. Um, uh, started out around a React podcast, but it's kind of migrated a little bit into this idea of um, lunch.dev. And so the notion there is just kind of being open to exploring. Um, most of my big career moves were my lunch hour at work where I was, you know, kind of off the clock and I had my laptop and I like anything was possible. <laughs> and so just kind of kind of exploring that for people, um, just kind of, you know, thinking about, you know, taking an hour for yourself and moving on to like what you see as like the next um, big step in your life. Um, so it's all I mean, it's all thoughts mostly at this point, but we are kind of, you know, working towards that. So I'm, I, that's what, that's, that's where I'm headed towards next. Nice. We're going to be getting more into lunch.dev. I'm very interested in talking about that. Yeah. Um, and, but that, that concept of taking an hour just to, to improve yourself or, or take that time to make a pivot or whatever you need to use that hour yeah. for that really resonates with me. Um, I remember back when I worked in retail, I, I worked at office depot and I spend either my lunchtime or, late night shifts when nobody walks into the store, uh, <laughs> studying for my, my IT degree at the time yeah. and, and working on computers and just trying to get into this industry. 
Um, so that definitely resonates with me, just taking that, that brief time, no matter how small it is, just to, to push yourself forward. Yeah, it's really powerful. And, you know, I, I, I have very vivid and fond memories of the little like outdoor area at my like first first job where I, st- I just it was literally just me and my laptop at a, you know, a little lunch table. And, you know, those things were always the the next things for me. And, you know, those things are kind of a little bit hazy at the time. Um, but those things where you're kind of like making a little bit of a bet on yourself, right? There's like the you of like today and you're very like familiar with that. But like being able to think about future you is um, is is fun. And it's all like those those have always paid off. Maybe not directly. I'm, I'm sure as you, you've experienced as well. Like it's not always direct, but sometimes it's, it, it's very um, wayfinding. <laughs> it's a wayfinding yeah. time. Yeah. It's kind of as you were describing that, I was thinking of going hiking in the mountains. You get over, get to one peak, and then you can see the next place that you want to go. <laughs> yeah. Even if that's down, you're, you don't necessarily need to be going in a straight upward line as long as you're continuing on your journey and you get to the next high points, you can see the land around you and what's next. Yes. Yeah. That is a great, a great metaphor for that. It's, it's, it's clarifying kind of being able to see, like, where do I want to go? There's so many places that we could. And, you know, now that I see it, like, what looks fun? Where should, where should we head? Right. Yeah. And with the example I was giving, I was studying to be an IT network administrator. Uh, definitely. That's not what I'm doing. And <laughs> uh, I'm very glad that I went that path so I could find that this is what I actually wanted to do. I really appreciate those vistas so that I yes. can see the next thing. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. Now, did you did you have a strategy for that when you were going utilizing that time, or were you just following your following your interests? You know, so you had a you know book or you know some type of online course. Uh, for that one, it was a combination of the two because I was I was in college, okay. um, so it was very much for a college course. Gotcha. For those who have listened to other shows that I've been on, uh, I, I always have been interested in technology and IT and software. It was just, which path am I going to take? I've done some programming, but can okay. I really be a programmer? Things like that. Um, so I thought IT and, and administration was going to be the way to go. Uh, turned out, no, that was that was less interesting. Uh, <laughs> but I am able to bring those skills and that knowledge forward into what I do in development. Yeah, it, you know, it's it, it's such a funny time, I think. This um, This moment where... I think a lot of stuff was kind of in that like IT space. And I, 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 I'm going to butcher this, but like, it feels like the worlds of like IT and community and art were all very separate and they've just been getting closer and closer and closer together. And it's been easier to kind of find, you know, maybe a space in the middle or kind of jump tracks. Whereas traditionally it's been like extremely hard to, like jump from something like strictly technical to something more, you know, product or something more community or something more artistic. But even as we're seeing with like the, a huge amount of hype around web three, whatever that is supposed to mean, (laughs) it definitely lives at the intersection of, you know, technology, art and community. And I like, I love that things are getting so close together right now. Yeah. I, on an episode of Views on View recently, I interviewed somebody working at the Wikimedia Foundation who started as a graphic artist. Oh, cool. And then eventually the, through typography and needing to create these designs, they mo- migrated into front-end development. Yeah. And it's just really interesting to see that path but back and forth. Like people leave tech to go into these fields as well. But you're right. All of these things are coming so much closer together. Yeah, and it's it's fun, I think. You know, especially like when I started, there was this this huge divide between, you know, I don't know, like a software engineer or I don't even think they called it that back then. I, it was like maybe a web developer or something, you know, full stack web developer and like design and that idea of like just kind of throwing things over the wall back and forth until eventually it got approved. Um, but there was a huge lack of teamwork and understanding of the other person's expertise and I think, you know, I've always felt like that was a, 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 a missed opportunity, right? Because I think that we do all, we, we do better work 
when we can appreciate the value that someone else is bringing. And a lot of times we want to like demean that value so that we can, you know, artificially inflate what we're doing. And I don't know, maybe there is a healthy level of competition, you know, that, that makes all of us better, but I feel like collaboration and getting those, those, those lines closer together has always in the places that I've seen it done well has always been better than just kind of everyone like staying in their lane and not thinking about, you know, what products doing or what, you know, design is doing, but like thinking about things a little bit more holistically and appreciatively and realizing that all of us have an experience, a point of view, a perspective on every other part of it. And maybe it's not something that we need to have like executive power over, but to be able to have a lane where we can say, actually, I've experienced this this way and it wasn't that great. So maybe think about, you know, maybe take that under advisement as you're like doing this. And I feel like we're getting better and better at that. And I, lo I, I love it. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I'm loving how that is coming into our, just our way of thinking, not, not even specifically work, but just like everything that we're doing in, in the dev community, I feel is, is driving towards that. It's really yeah. nice. Yeah, and it's kind of a hysterically, it, I would not have expected it. You know, when I was like getting into this career, what, I don't know, way long ago, I would not have expected that all of those things would just kind of like rush in together and have such a, an amazing impact on the other. And then just kind of understanding, we have a, a long way to go before we fully understand each other, but I've seen a lot of progress there and I, I just want more of it, all of it. <laughs> Definitely. So you, you mentioned, you know, beginning of your career, this, this didn't, isn't how it looked. How did you get into programming? What did get you into this career? Yeah. So I, <laughs> um, I took a computer science, we're going to go way, way back to me in middle school. Um, I took a computer science class with a handful of friends and um, I was terrible at it. And so I kind of identified then that I was never going to be good at this programming thing. And so I should probably look into other ways of, of connecting with it. And so I think that's kind of like a core piece for me is like all of my friends were really into technology in the traditional sense, like building their own computers, you know, back in the 90s and being online and like... I felt, <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like discreetly like non-technical, I guess, but I wanted to be connected to it, right? I honestly, I feel kind of the same way about like all the hype around like Web3. Like I feel like, oh, like I have no idea about blockchains or like how we would even start, but there's a, something about like, I want to be connected to it somehow. Like I feel that same, same itch. And so I kind of, you know, really just, helped my friends thinking about things in from the from the outside in kind of like you know product or you know design or that kind of stuff and kind of followed that path um but always tried to like kind of sit in the middle like kind of find places where i could be a bridge um and i didn't really realize what that was until you know like i guess maybe like five years ago as the the notion of design systems started to to come into our vernacular that there's an incredible amount of value for people who want to be connected to the technology and also want to be connected to the other pieces of it like you know product in in, in design and um so yeah so i i would try my best to kind of learn as much you know php or uh javascript as i could um but as I kept going through it, I kept realizing like, oh man, there's, there's, there's a lot of people really hate this CSS thing. So maybe that's an area where I can, you know, get in and, uh, and start, you know, helping out. And uh, yeah, so sorry, that's <laughs> my, my thoughts. There's like so much now it's like a big ball of history there, but yeah, so it's, um, you know, I, I, I tried really hard to be like strictly technical and I, I still don't identify as someone who is a technical person, but someone who can kind of like, you know, get around enough to kind of be able to have conversations with people who are a lot smarter than me 
and you know learn something and kind of roll that into the next thing that we build or the next you know kind of you know uh product idea or you know whatever so yeah you described it as as being a bridge between these two sides mm -hmm. uh i wonder if being a translator fits as well yeah uh, be because it's almost like you're speaking the technical language with with the technical people but then when you're talking to non-technical people you're able to describe it in a language that makes sense to them does does that sound like that fits as well yeah i actually really like that that fits exceptionally well <laughs> Yeah, there's something really beautiful about that notion of, of you know, translating, transcribing um, something so that it is accessible to someone else. And I think, again, like lending your voice to help someone appreciate the challenge that someone else is, uh, you know, another team, another person is, um, is doing like kind of for the benefit of the whole. I would imagine that that skill, that perspective on the tech industry is also what helped with getting into teaching and, and helping with, with the cheat sheets, for example, but also just generally helping developers become uh, more more comfortable with the technologies they were using. Does that yes. how does that how does that sound? How does that fit? Absolutely. The so I think one of the more popular talks that I've ever given was one that I kind of I was almost reticent to give because I thought it made me look really stupid. <laughs> um, and it, the, the whole concept of it, it, there's a, oh shoot, I can't remember. It was, the, it was the notion of react component patterns, but described through shapes. Um, and so I, I, I build up this whole case, like this whole story in the beginning of it, where I just introduced five different shapes. And they have kind of like, you know, some have solid lines, some have perforated lines, but like some visualization of multiple circles relating to each other in some way. And so then I use those as a visual metaphor to then talk about, you know, render props pattern, higher order component pattern, you know, uh, dependency injection via React props, like all, all these things. And it's funny because like that was like just for me, like I needed the like visual reference, you know, to to these patterns. And it helped me, honestly, like once I had kind of crossed that bridge, made those things uh, kind of made those examples, I had I was able to then fully internalize those those patterns. And I thought it was just going to be me. Everyone else was going to be like, this is ridiculous. There was definitely a contingent of people who thought that it was in fact ridiculous. Um, but more so it was a handful of people like I never understood how this worked. And now that I have that visual unlock, um, I, I can like, I understand it now, like for the first time ever. And I think that was one of those moments where I realized that there, there are enough people with a, you know, <laughs> broken, gifted, whatever view of the world, uh, that, that I can kind of just share the way that I see stuff and it will help people. Um, and you know, the people who it doesn't help, it's not for them. They'll move on. Um, but there are a handful of people where this, the way that I think about this could be the, the unlock for them. And it just got me really excited about, um, just sharing things the way that I saw them. And, and, you know, maybe there's always that kind of like creator, um, angst that you're you're not doing it like somebody else or maybe it's not palatable to this type of audience or, or whatever but that feeling like um being able to be honest with yourself and say this is the way that i think about it and it might help somebody um w is something that is hard and has been kind of like daring at times but extremely rewarding and i think that you get a, a huge sense of who your people are when you can just share the weird stuff that you're thinking and have it resonate with them or you know sometimes maybe it doesn't but then get their perspective on that thing as well like they're kind of like strange unique bespoke way of thinking about a thing and like oh my gosh like i didn't realize that that also connects and it connects to this other thing that i'd been having a hard time understanding and so like that unlocks this other concept for me and like Thank you for sharing and 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 that all happened because i was open to sharing as well and 
Um, so yeah, there's a there's a piece of it in, that is uh, it's fun. Like it, it's fun having to have moments where you're honest with yourself about exactly who you are and who you aren't and who you aren't yet. And um, yeah, I'd say that that has definitely played a piece in that creative journey of, of, of trying to, I don't know, like not necessarily like discover myself, but to discover the way that I interact with reality and the truths around me and, you know, find that path to new undiscovered truths. I know that that's like way over the top probably, but it, it is <laughs> a, a bizarre perspective on how all that stuff works. <laughs> I mean, we're talking right now about how brains you know, at, at a high level, how brains work and how in particular our own brains work. So I, I yeah. think that makes sense. We, it, it is an undiscovered thing because our brains are all unique. And our perspectives are all unique. So at some point, we need to figure out how to vocalize that if we ever want anyone to understand how we see something. And, and then, like you were saying, we hope that they, they're able to understand it in the same way or that there's somebody out there that it's able to connect with differently than other, other resources or other ways of explaining that same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's an interesting time, too, because we have things are becoming, you know, we've had the term multimedia for, you know, a really long time since like, you know, flash and directors on like on CD distributed on CDs. Right. Um, but I feel like we're definitely, get, we're getting to a point where multimedia is kind of like the, the cost of entry, right? Like the, the, that's like the bare minimum now. And, you know, we see some of the most successful shows are, you know, maybe streamed on Twitch, and then, you know, posted on, you know, YouTube for the, you know, the, the visual folks, but then distributed as podcast for the people who, you know, are auditory learners and yes. then transcribed for folks who prefer to, um, to, to read or are, are not able to consume those other mediums. And it's, it's an incredible amount of effort and work for producers. Um, but it is uh, like, I do love that people can, there, there's, so at the center of it is an interaction or a truth or some type of revelation. And we're just creating more translations to use uh, the, the, uh, your language um, to that con of that content for people. And um, I love that. I, I love seeing like, and then also kind of the unique shapes that each of those, those pieces of content, you know, take and how to optimize them for their, their medium. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> It is. I agree. One of the things I do when I'm when I'm approaching uh, a blog post, for example, is the the way my brain works is very narrative driven, uh, which works when I'm writing my own code. But it's much <laughs> harder to like if I were if I were to sit here and explain scope slots to you in view. <laughs> it, it's a technical concept that doesn't. So with with a blog post, I always approach it as how can I tell this as a story? How can I how yes. can I present the narrative? Um. And that's and that's how I share with yeah. with those around me. Is like this is this is why you want to do this. This is how it makes sense. This is the progress that you go through, and you can go through the whole hero's journey, uh, <laughs> yeah. basically as as you're explaining, you know, scope slots or render props or high order you know, whatever whatever topic we're talking about here. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just so fun having these different perspectives, and like you're saying, the the there's the podcasting, there's videos, there's blog posts, there's just reading people's code. There's meetups. Yeah. There's, there's all these different ways that developers have to interact with each other and learn from each other's experiences. And that's only growing uh, as we go forward. Yeah. And I love that it's getting kind of complicated. And I'm curious, like, how, like, I'm curious how you handle that as well. Cause there's a, a, an incredible pressure to do all of it. You know, so, you know, as a creator, you want to do all of it. And some, some of these things are, you know, either a huge investment of time or money, you know, like, so like proper transcriptions for a podcast, like, you know, like we're doing right now, you know, I think it runs like a dollar a minute. And like, that was something that was always really challenging for like react podcast was like trying to figure out like, how do we sustain this to make sure that we can, you know, as we produce it, it can be as accessible to as many people as possible. Um, and 
you know, so I'm kind of curious, like how, how, how you feel about that, like as a creator, how you, you know, manage your expectations, like, you know, cause I'm sure that for every episode you'd love to do like these really, you know, awesome, you know, Instagram reels or stories or, you know, TikToks or whatever of like the best moment of the conversation, but it takes like a huge amount of time and, or effort. Um, how do you kind of balance the wanting to do everything and then just doing what you can with the time that you have almost that lunch kind of concept, right? Like, yeah. Well, I, I have an hour. I'm going to do what I can with an hour. <laughs> hmm. So for this show, uh, because it is put on uh, by this dot labs there, there is a whole team backing it. So hmm. uh, we have, we have in-house editors, we have in-house um not sure what the right term is, but like uh, content specialists, people who will be cool. posting about it on Twitter, people who will be sharing the podcast. Uh, so my main focus is just having this conversation, making sure awesome. that everything on this end is as uh, streamlined as possible. Um, yeah. And and for for the other shows that I do, including Fuse on View, it feels that way as well. Is there's the there's the team effort, but yeah, that's it's definitely been something that's like blocked me from wanting to do more because I I can just see how big this thing can get. Like uh, I don't even have a good example right now, but like if, if I wanted to go and do a show on Svelte, for example, I'd have mm -hmm. to do, I'd have to do the editing myself. I'd have to do the uh, all of the transcription myself, all of the production myself. And that feels very overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so in the end, I, in that case, I just don't do it, but I, I feel like I have this this balance because of the the teams that are behind me as I'm working on these shows that I'm able to focus on the part of it that I can do and they're able to focus on the other parts. Yeah. Uh, so it feels like a really collaborative effort in that way. With with blogging, it's very similar. I, I try to time box myself and just say, I'm going to write a blog post. It's going to take this long and then I'm going to put it out the door. And if it's done, then it's done. If it's not, then it's still done. Um, <laughs> I think I said this on Twitter at least one time, like I don't have unfinished side projects. All my side projects are finished. Uh, I'm never coming back to them. So they're done. Like the feature feature complete, they're released. I love that. In fact, they're like the most done, right? Because you aren't actually going to come back to them. Right. <laughs> that is such a, I think, important thing to realize for anyone, you know, so if anyone's listening to this and, you know, from the content creation, uh, you know, creator angle, I think it is so important to be honest with yourself about what you can do and what you can't. And yeah, people are going to be asking for things that you like telling you what you should be doing, right? Or what you should, where you should be taking it. And, you know, we, we have you know, very limited resources and, you know, kind of that, that it is important to be honest with yourself and say, you know what, the most important thing is for me to share this thing. And as you said, um, it's going to be done, done or not, it's done at, you know, 1pm, as soon as I, <laughs> as soon as I leave this bench, it's published. And um, I really do. It, it's a hard thing to do is very hard thing to do. I think it's one of the hardest things as someone who wants to create to just send it. <laughs> I agree. The, I mean, the other hard part is, is saying no when, when there is the thing you want to do and you no. can't do it or you can't do it anymore. Like you've been doing it and you realize this is now draining me more than oh. it was feeding me. Yes. And, and it's so hard to just let go of that thing and move forward because you know, it, you know, the thing is burdening you, but you can't, you can't quite let go. Oh, uh, I I've been there in the past. I've some, to an extent, I feel like I'm there now. You know, there's always things, but totally. Yeah. That, man, that is, that is ringing so true with me right now as the, so, so I just started a new job. I'm working with an incredible team at uh, chromatic. Um, and they, uh, most known for, um, uh, creating story or, maintaining storybook uh which is kind of like a you know a, a, <laughs> like a tool for visualizing uh reviewing and testing components 
Um, and it's it's really cool. I really love the really love the tool. Joined them about a week and a half ago. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but there is that feel like I'm in that feeling right now where I keep adding things to my list of things that I want to write about, make a video about, like teach about, like at an exponential rate, and it's not going down, right? Like it just keep adding, keep adding. And I had this moment last night, and one of the reasons that my brain is kind of frazzled today, where I was just like, I have to do something, right? And even if I have to like stay up till three o'clock in the morning, like there, like I have to get something out of me. And it's yeah, that balance is really hard, especially like I, I think once you start creating, you, you unlock this wall like this massive waterfall of things that you will never be able to do and it's so like demoralizing and then when you pu publish stuff it feels so little because it's always just like oh this is just like the tip of the iceberg but like continuing to do it is the hardest part it's so hard <laughs> it is that urge to i need to make something i need to to get it out of my system i used to describe that to my partner as uh my brain is on fire right now. <laughs> yeah. And and if I don't get it out of my head, it's going to burn me out for the entire day. And sometimes it would. Like we would go grocery shopping. And at the time I wasn't doing programming. I was doing yeah. you know, like writing uh, fiction. And I'd have this idea. I'm like, I need to get this down. I need to get this out now or I'm done the rest of the day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we'd be out grocery shopping or something. And I'd get home and be like, it's too late. <laughs> it passed. <laughs> my my and then my brain would just be consumed for that whole day. It's like I I I can't do anything creative for the rest of the day. The time came and went. Yeah, and, oh. and it just hurts. It does. Yeah, it is a very visceral and like physical pain. You know, both that like feeling that you need to get it out, but then also feeling like you missed it, like that sense of loss of like. Yeah. I mean, I could try, but it's not going to be half as good as it was feeling. You know, when I was doing it, it's almost like. It's almost like a, a a dream that you wake up from, and yes, you, you remember like I don't know the greatest song or like the greatest saying. There there was something in you that you felt very uh, like very clearly and strongly, and then you wake up and you try really hard to like kind of pull that back out of the haze, and it's just like it, it's really more demoralizing than anything. Just like oh no, it's no, it's not not what I thought it was, or it didn't live up to the hype or I didn't capture it. Um, yeah. Very. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. It's just, it's just so hard. Um, so turning back to your, your, your teaching and things that you've done and like to get to lunch.dev as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, so we've been talking about this bridge building and this, this way of, of presenting topics to people. What specifically brought you to creating lunch.dev? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had been doing the podcast thing and I apologize. Like the answers, my my answers for things always start like two years beforehand or whatever. But uh, I, I work with narratives. So this, this is this is like perfect. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so I was working on React Podcast and my, my goal when I started that was just to keep a weekly cadence. Um, and so like no matter what I was going to do, I really wanted to publish every week. And I think with a handful of exceptions, I was able to do that for, you know, two plus years. And it did require that I kind of let go of some things and work with a team and whatnot. And what happened during that time was I felt like all of, all of me and my available energy was going to just the creation of this podcast. And I was learning some incredible things that I wanted to utilize from other people. Um, but I just didn't have time. I didn't have a space for it. And so that kind of like started to like eat away at me and kind of made me resent the podcast just a little bit because it was just like, I it's, again, that kind of like mountain of things that I wanted to like share. But then I was kind of I guess like stuck a little bit in like in, in this lane. And I really hated that feeling. Um, and so towards the end of it, I really wanted to shift it and take some of the lessons that I was learning, particularly from uh, Chris Biscardi, who runs party 
Party Corgi Network um, or founded it. And learn a little bit about the thing, like have an opportunity to like explore. And I think that something that I've learned over the last handful of years is that I don't really take myself very seriously <laughs> and that that's actually an opportunity for people to for people to learn um and so anytime i you know stream or share stuff it's it's very much open to correction i guess and that's that's made like a very kind of like collaborative space where i think other people learn um i definitely learn <laughs> um but then also i think people learn how to a little bit more about how to like give and receive feedback. And I think that's been one of my favorite things and something I'm really pressing into right now is kind of like fostering a community where it's okay to A, be wrong, um, B, share a correction, and then C, you know, like adapt um to that and receive it well and so that's kind of what i've been wanting to explore with community and then the the other part of that is just kind of building a pipeline and that's where like lunch.dev comes in is trying to work out some kind of pipeline for myself where i'm able to then take those explorations and then quickly turn them around into some type of concept um for like a, a you know, maybe like a small course and ideally something that someone could, you know, like me, you know, 12 years ago, uh, sit down at lunch and just kind of like consume this thing and get a couple of concepts under their belt and, and whatnot. So the, the degree to which I have been effective in that, uh, has, has not been great yet, but it, this is an aspiration of mine is to be able to kind of like learn and like create a flywheel, I guess, is the, <laughs> kind of BC version of, of, of that term, but uh, create a flywheel um, where I'm learning and producing all together. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of the the main idea there. And I, I, I hope that it becomes what I think it can be, um, which is just kind of like a very helpful tool to people in by virtue of sharing my own learning and, and, and discoveries. That's awesome. I, I feel like those kinds of communities are super valuable, especially in uh, the developer space where not always, but sometimes the the developers try to get into this point of, I am always right. I cannot be wrong. <laughs> um, almost, I don't know. I, I've been reading the, uh, the Dresden files on and off uh, since the uh, lockdowns and pandemic began. And one of the points he makes is like, he can't, show that he doesn't know what's going on. He can't show that he's mm. wrong in front of people because he's trying to maintain that wizard mystique. I almost <laughs> feel like developers are doing that sometimes. Yes. Like we're, we're not willing to admit when we're wrong. We're not willing to back down or admit weakness. And, and I feel like having those spaces where we can lower our defenses as it were and be like, I'm, I don't know everything. Please help. I, yeah. I want, I want to learn. I want to grow. Uh, I feel like that's essential to, both becoming a you know a well well-rounded human, but also a well-rounded and skilled developer. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and that that wizard mystique is a very funny. <laughs> I, I'm definitely going to keep thinking about that because I think that is so true. I remember kind of first going into some like standups at like a new company, and after a while, like I just started to realize like when people would use certain terms to kind of protect themselves from like further questions. <laughs> and like, there's always this, yeah, in, in this particular meeting, it was like, I would, I would always joke about how like a race condition was, or like saying that you're like battling a race condition was a really great way to like get more time without actually describing what the problem was. <laughs> I, I, in this case, I'm racing the actual calendar. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's there there is that kind of you know wizard mystique and um, you know these these impenetrable fortresses of of confidence and I don't know I I, I mean I'm curious to know what you think but it like does that actually like serve us like have you seen that 
work out great for every everyone because i've only seen the opposite personally i i've never seen it actually work out uh my preference is to be as open about what's going on as possible yeah and if i'm talking to somebody who's not technical i prefer to try and educate them about what's happening at at as best as i can so if I'm having a database issue where I accidentally dropped a table in production, I'm going to be up very blunt and be like, I dropped a table in production. It means <laughs> this data is gone. We need to restore from backup. We need to do this, this, and this. Don't worry. It's not necessarily emergency as long as we have backups. Like yes. I try to walk through the whole thing and try to make sure they understand my level of, oh, shoot, something went wrong mm. without freaking them out, but also not trying to hide it. It's like, oh, everything's fine. There's a minor database issue. I'll work with the team. Don't worry. About it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that serves anyone. I, I feel like when we do that, it allows business to put more pressure on the developers. Yes. It, and it then just builds this, I don't know, this, this pressure. So, I don't even, my analogies are failing me at this point, but you know, there's, there's all this pressure being put on all of the teams because there's a failure to communicate in the at the end, and it's intentional. So I, I think being more yeah. open and being more transparent is is beneficial for developers. It's more beneficial for the the product teams and any of the the business managers who need to know what's going on. Yeah, I I agree, and that pressure is something that we see a lot. I, I know Jason Langstorff has a really great talk on uh, you know the real 10x developer or something along those those lines, which. I really appreciate because um, it talks about the inevitable conclusion of propagating that relationship where you have someone who is like the the wizard and we just you know trust them implicitly, but then also like what we apply to them is pressure. And that eventually that system breaks and it breaks pretty catastrophically. <laughs> and that there are signs all along the way of like, the impending doom but we just kind of ignore them because it's the system that we're you know used to and continues to be familiar to us but i yeah i, I agree i would love to see more or let me rephrase that i love seeing more humility in development teams and you know product teams and and, and whatnot and that admission of i don't know everything I do feel confident that we will figure it out, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be without its, uh, you know, warts and trials along the way. And having that level of openness um, and openness to feedback, I feel like I've always only seen it um, yield better results in the end and results that a lot more people had some type of investment or buy-in uh, opportunity into. And I don't know, that just makes for better teams, <laughs> more enjoyable teams for sure. Yeah. And if everyone's able to talk and feel comfortable, then everyone's going to enjoy being there more and they're going to want to do the right, the, the work to maintain that. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like as, as the personal levels start to break down, then the, the engagement goes down as well. Like if you're, if you're a manager wanting to have a team work well, have them talk to each other and actually be friends. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you know there's so much there's so much there that I wish that I wish that we we had really good answers to or like a strategy, some kind of like roadmap. And there's I mean there's so many books on like on like how to do this, but you know, we create I think we forget sometimes that the byproduct of us feeling confident and 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 strong and uh you know complete is that, that we make other people feel like they have to be that way to to meet us you know where we're at and at the end of the day like all of us are just running from some degree of insecurity about something <laughs> I, I i covered this in a talk i think it's uh it's very subversively called um hot garbage clean code is dead and i i, I love that title <laughs> thank you <laughs> um it's it's a little bit about code but it's really more about how on our developer journeys and and i use mine as in as a particular case i didn't realize the point at which 
I had replaced my imposter syndrome with this feeling of like just absolute certainty. Like I like I have it figured out, even though I knew that that wasn't true of myself. And like just kind of this front that I'd like put up of like of certainty and how that was preventing me from from having relationships with other people who were not as certain, right? And and who were still struggling with kind of like the the actual feeling of imposter syndrome, not the one that's covered up with certainty and like, do you not know who I am? <laughs> I like I've been doing this for X number of years and I got all these, you know, titles to back it up at all these like cool companies. Um that that like we all kind of like feel like we're running from some type of like insert uncertainty and trying to meet the people who like had these like really strong, you know, exteriors that like we couldn't like get above, right? Like it's, there's this kind of like perpetuating thing where it's like, oh, they made me feel crummy. And so now I feel like I need to justify myself to them. And I'm going to do it by like pretending like I know everything and not letting anybody, anybody else <laughs> meet up to me and we just keep doing this thing and it's like so like at some point we just got to stop and like change our own destiny be like hey you know what i don't know everything <laughs> and that's fine yeah i so i'm curious what some of your techniques are to stay both curious and humble as you're as you're continuing in your your dev journey i think th this is just assumption because you know, we're both we're both on this side of it as opposed to sure. listen, just listening to the shows. We we've made shows, we've done talks, mm -hmm. but I, I feel like there is some level of putting developers on pedestals who are more public. Uh, I know yeah. I've done that with people I've listened to on podcasts. I know I've done that with people who have listened to who give multiple talks. Um, and I I do my best not to you know. Oh, I do a lot of shows. I'm so cool. No, I, I, I try to avoid that. I'm so I'm curious what what you try to do to to stay humble and stay curious and stay interested in what is going on around you and being able to communicate. Yeah, that's a great question. I I think a lot of it is, you know, is this type of stuff <laughs> is talking with other people and remaining in the curious perspective. Um, that was one of my favorite things about doing React podcasts regularly. Um, you know, I describe often React podcasts as an exercise in uh, defeating envy in myself. <laughs> and what was happening was my partner and I have had like a fairly complicated like 10, 10 years. Um, and so, you know, our, 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 our daughter had some, you know, pretty early health issues like right around the time that that she was born and and continue to to have some of these and so it is really limited the amount that i can invest in I, I don't know, all of those creator things like developing an audience producing regularly you know finding new mediums and you know new memes and whatnot and I really like it really bothered me like at my core that I kind of came into like I I got into this wave of like react and you know at the same time as a lot of people and then by virtue of them having you know a little bit more time or like a different you know life they caught the wave and I felt like I kind of missed it <laughs> and I think that that feeling is something that I still is something that I still struggle with, and we're going like really deep right now. I hope that that's, uh, that, that's okay with you. Um, it's something that I that I still struggle with, and React podcast more than an opportunity to like build an audience was an opportunity for me to be honest with myself that I had let envy creep up in me, and to be like all of these people who I kind of saw as, you know, peers or friends, I was now looking at as like, as like enemies. And like, oh, they produced a book, like, must be nice. <laughs> right? Like, this is, I mean, this is such a terrible way to look at things, right? But like, that's the way that I, I felt about this. And so my goal was to really go in and, and say like, okay, 
I, I have to break this off violently in myself. And so I'm going to do that by remaining in the curious, like curious role and like asking them about it, asking them how it was, how it felt, like how, like how they got through it, the challenges that they had that made that not an inevitable outcome for them. And, um, staying in that space and kind of forcing myself like every time kind of against my will to like be like they just they just had a huge success and it's well deserved and I want to honor that by by giving them my attention and um asking them about it um has been very hard personal work <laughs> and um but I'm very grateful for it I I, I wouldn't have it any other way uh, I don't even know how we got here, here, but there's a there's a, a story for you. <laughs> I think I think you answered the question per perfectly. I don't remember exactly what I asked either, but that that was perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank uh, you. It's yeah. I think we I think we deserve to give each other our our best, and I think sometimes we get in the way is probably the the thing. And and there's always room for everyone in this industry to just remain curious. And I think that's probably was like, just remain curious and not and, and, and realize that like kindness will get you where you want to go faster than confidence or <laughs> feigned confidence. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. I think we will end on that because that is a perfect ending note. <laughs> so thank you so much, Michael, for being on the show. Uh, yeah, oh, hope, everyone, hope everyone else enjoyed this. I know I did. Um, so as wrapping up, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Modern Web Podcast. And thank you to our guest, Michael. As always, the conversation does not stop here. You can find Michael on Twitter at Chantastic, correct? That's correct, yeah. And you can find me online at Lindsay K. Wardell. As for the podcast, you can find us online at modern.web.com. That's modern.web.com or on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.